And we're live. Hello, and welcome to Debut Spotlight. I'm Rachel Barenbaum, author of the new novel, Atomic Anna, and I'm very, very excited today to introduce you to Karen Wynn. Her brand new debut novel, Our Little World, just dropped. It was super. It was so good. And I got to meet Karen sort of along the way back when she was doing edits. So I'm super excited to have her here to talk about the final product. There we go. Our little world. It's just gorgeous. So welcome, Karen. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Awesome. So for those of you who are listening who don't know Karen, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her. Karen received her MFA from Fairleigh Dickinson University. She also holds a doctoral degree in nursing. Born and raised in New Jersey, Karen now lives in Boston with her husband and two children. Our Little World is her first novel. So for the past, I don't know, six episodes or so, maybe I've had a bunch of debut authors, but they've been debut memoirists, debut, right? They've had other books out beforehand. You are my first true, true, true debut in a while. So I have all kinds of questions to uh, drill you on. So get ready for that. But to get started, can you tell me what is Our Little World about? Sure. So Our Little World, um, it's set in the 1980s in a small, idyllic New Jersey town. And it centers on two sisters whose relationship fractures when a neighborhood girl goes missing. Yeah. And so, you know, it's very um, gripping from the very first page because, you know, from the beginning that two kids, two children are going to die. Right. That's not a secret. It's not a spoiler. And so, you know, so you you sort of start off knowing this is going to be a hard book to read. So you knew that it was going to be a hard book to write, right? So how did you sort of prepare yourself for that? How did you get into that? So for me, I like to create about, um, say, 20 bullet points of things, kind of plot points of what I want, where I want to go in the book, um, kind of brief. And then I think- Like an outline? That's your outline? An outline. That's my outline. And it's not necessarily chapter by chapter. Um, It's more- um, it's chronological, um, but it's basically like certain things that I want to happen. And then I just kind of start writing in between those points. And, um, and from the, the beginning, we know that, um, this little girl that goes missing is going to wind up dead. And we know that B, my main character, um, a, um, a rising seventh grader named B that her own sister, Audrina is also going to die. And you know that in the first two pages, um, and I was kind of working towards that the whole way. Yeah. But so how did you sort of get into, right, to to write about children disappearing or dying is sort of a dark place in your soul, too. So how how do you sort of sink into that to write that sort of a, um, you know, that outline before you even start? Yeah. Well, I really like dark stuff, (laughs) as my husband and friends can attest. So that helps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, I, I definitely dove deep into, so my novel takes place in the eighties, as I mentioned, and I really researched like missing kids of the eighties, um, which was a super interesting time because there was stranger danger and, um, the missing kids on the milk cartons and, That's, um, it started in the eighties, right? The yeah, milk cartons. Yes. About six months before my novel comes out was when, when that, you know, people were starting to see the missing kids when you were having your breakfast cereal. So um, there was that kind of darkness that was pervading on the periphery. Um, So yeah, so I I got, I just, um, you know, did a lot of research. Um, It, you know, was definitely dark, but I kind of embraced the darkness. Okay. 
Yeah, you did. You did. And you did it so well. So, okay, I'm going to spring this on you. So I had a guest, um, Boris J. Luke was here uh, two weeks ago, I guess, and he um, read some of our some of his poetry to me and it was so strong. So amazing. I was wondering if you could read the prologue. Would you mind sure, reading? Absolutely. Because it is so strong. And I think that, yes, we'll definitely give all of our listeners a true sense of, you know, sort of how you're just thrown into this novel and these girls' lives. So, okay. So this is the prologue. It's I super short, so don't worry. Okay. I see whispers of my dead sister. I see her when I'm driving through the fogged up window, her brown hair entangled in my windshield wipers. I'm tempted to pull over and carefully remove each hair strand as if untangling a knotted necklace. One, I suppose, that knotted due to my carelessness. I see my sister's small hands clasped around the same passenger pole I am clinging to in the crowded subway. We are all packed in, our fingers curling around the pole, one on top of another in a tree ring formation. But I instantly recognize the creases in her knuckles and the way her right pinky sits at an odd crooked angle, the result of a bike accident when we were young. I see my sister in the pile of still dead leaves from the red oak tree in our parents' backyard. Audrina is a lurker, which surprises me. She was always there on the periphery, sitting thin, thin ankles crossed in the waiting room of my being. When she was alive in her short life, she was vibrant. I can't figure out if death has subdued her or if has given her some sort of calming new age wisdom. There's also the very real possibility that she is just confused, trying to figure out what happened to her what happened to us. Yeah. So I just thought that set the stage so beautifully because we're trying to untangle, right? And figure out what's going to happen. And then you jump into a scene where um, a couple of little kids go to the beach, right? Or a, a lake, yep. a beach on the lake, right? And Sally goes missing. So yes. we're right there, we're right in the action. And I wanna ask you a little bit of a craft question because sometimes um, people will say, you have to love the characters before you can kill them, right? Huh? And yet here we are and Sally's dead or missing, right? On page, I don't know what it was, three or something, right? Yeah. So how did you do that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still love the characters even though Sally makes a brief, a, uh, brief appearance. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a writer, you get in, in your character's minds, you you really know them inside and out, whether or not you portray all of that or reveal all of that to the reader is another question, right? You can't because there's so much about them um, that you know, the reader's only privy to a piece of that. Um, but yeah, I had to know who she was. I had to know who Audrina was. And I had to really, uh, obviously, Audrina, you get a better, the sister, you get a better sense of um, because she's in the novel a lot longer, but yeah, just, I just, I, I had to know them and I had to care for them before I off them. <laughs> yeah. But did your, did your editor or any early readers ever say we need to see her more before you kill her? Was that ever a conversation? You know, interestingly enough, not for Sally. Um, huh. I think that they kind of took her at face value and maybe because she, so in, in the book, um, the Baker family, Sally Baker, they've just moved in across the street from B and her sister, Audrina, from Boston to the small, um, small 5,000 person town in New Jersey. Um, so maybe because they are new neighbors, um, 
my readers were forgiving in that aspect, right? Like you, you know that they're new, they're new to you as the reader, but they're also new in the novel, um, right. new neighbors, um, um, new to the town. And Sally is only there for, they're only there for a couple of months, if even by the time Sally goes missing. Um, so no, actually people sort of accepted uh, who she was. Um, I would say, interestingly, Audrina, though, even though I had to dig deeper into who she was and their relationship, be and Audrina's relationship um, on subsequent revisions, for sure. Okay, right. So that relationship is sisters, and they are, they love each other, and they hate each other, and they're yeah. rivals, right? And they support each other, right? So how did you dig into that relationship, and how did you think about it as you were writing? Yeah, so I, I, I'm very interested in, you know, complex relationships and those cracks and exploring and getting kind of like in the nitty gritty of, of relationships. I drew on the idea of those close family relationships that, you, relationships that you have, where you, like you said, you love, you hate, whether it's a sibling or a boyfriend or a husband or partner or whatever, like that, like kind of push pull. So I leaned into that. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then I just kind of, you know, dramatized it even more and, and took it a few steps further. Yeah. Yeah, you did it really well. Um, I think sisters, right, it's hard to capture that I love you, I hate you, right, which I think does exist in families and friendships wherever, right? You see that, yeah. um, you know, and it can still be devastating even though you're angry if somebody dies. Yeah. I also you know. think there is an underlying love um, for sure, between B and Audrina, um, yes. that um, you know continues throughout the novel, and that's that's really like the basis from which everything um, everything explodes out of. Yeah. So I've heard you talk a little about about your research for this novel because this yeah. was set in the '80s. Um, yeah. Could you talk to us, tell our listeners, you know, how you researched the '80s and put yourself yeah. back in that moment? Sure. So there were some fun parts of the 80s that I researched, um, pop culture, music. We watched a lot of 80s stories. I mean, sorry, 80s movies as a family. Um, we listened to 80s music. Like uh, what? What were you listening to? What were you watching? My Bring gosh. us back. Sure. Um, I mean, everything from um, Back to the Future um, to like those heartthrob 80s movies. Um I mean, just, it was really, um, I mean, a lot of those movies too, um, were you not- like 16 Candles, yes, Breakfast exactly. Club, were you into all of the, yeah. yes. And some of those are not very, like, they're not really, I mean, it's kind of shocking. They're not very PC these days. Yes. Um, but um, anyway, we, we, we watched a lot of those. And then um, we, yeah, music wise, I mean, gosh, I mean, and some of these artists have been around forever, you know, but- um, Right, right. Everything Did you have from, a playlist? Like, yeah, I actually, and I have a, our little world playlist on Spotify yes, that people can do. find. Um, and uh, that's actually it's it's heavily '80s, but it's also a mix of like '80s plus some more recent stuff that feels nostalgic or appropriate to the t uh, the tone of the book. Um, right. But um, I mean, there's um, in the book itself, um, Steve Miller, the Joker, is playing on the stereo at one point, and. Um, Audrina wants to dress up as Madonna in her Like a Virgin MTV video, um, which the father doesn't allow. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of <laughs> 80s, 80s nostalgia in my book. 
And then other research I did was, um, so there's a couple of medical conditions um, that come up in the book and I had to um, research those. Um, and this is all like pre, I mean, 80s was pre-internet. So um, I'm going to primary source. I'm relying on my nursing background. I'm going to medical journals, making sure I'm depicting these in a um, historically accurate and medically accurate manner. Um, and then missing kids like that, you know, we, we already talked about a little bit, but I, yeah, I just, I researched heavily the missing kids piece um, and found some really interesting stuff. Um, I think that um, before, I mean, 1982 was when they finally came out with the registry, um, the national missing kids registry. But prior to then, there was no tracking of missing kids. Like you had no idea how many kids went missing a year. And uh, in 85, three years later, when Sally Baker goes missing, it's all still very nascent. The local p police are not really sure how to respond. They're slow to respond. The FBI rarely get involved. So it was a really interesting time to base a novel with a missing kid. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I found most fascinating. First, I just want to give a shout out to Margaret. Thank you. Yes, Steve Miller band, Madonna. <laughs> I love that she is <laughs> calling that out. Um, but, you know, now I think we, we think about Amber Alerts. If a child goes missing, right, there is a system. It is like big news, big response, right? It is all yeah. over the news everywhere. Um, yeah. But back in the 80s, when our little world is taking place, right, when this is breaking out, none of this exists. And, and that's right. just so crazy to me, right? That this is what happens. It's not like kids, you know, hadn't been disappearing before that. Right. How did you really, I mean, like, were you shocked when you were digging into I that? I was, I was really shocked. And um, I mean, yeah, and now everything just, it feels like so natural and normal, right? With the protocols and, um, and again, also like we receive information uh, so quickly these days, right? So again, this is like pre-internet. So how did you receive information, right? It was like through um, the like daily news show, daily TV show. And it wasn't even necessarily, I mean, at least not in the Baker or sorry, the um, in the household of my main character, they didn't have like the 24 hour TV yet. So 24 hour news yet. So it was very much like the, the, daily news and newspapers and, and phone gossip and, and communication and things were, it was kind of, information was kind of slowed down in terms of how people received stuff, which helped create suspense in my novel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, it was just, it was so interesting. I mean, I came across this quote in my research where um, in the early eighties, like prior to this, this registry that I mentioned that it, they said that the FBI, it was easier for the FBI to track a, um, or to know about like a stolen car than a stolen kid. And that's, it's just kind of fascinating. So it's yeah. just, it was such an interesting time. And then, you know, I even watched like an old documentary and I, it was just so interesting and very much the, the, the search for missing kids was, was directed by the parents. Um, and it had yeah. to be their effort. They were the ones even like getting flyers out there and, and involving the police. And, um, it, it's just really, it was just, driven very much by the family of the missing kid. Yeah, but still crazy. Easier to find a car than it was a kid. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So crazy. Or you can't information on that. Yeah. Yeah. It is just heartbreaking. So um, you, this, uh, the town that our little world is set in is based on your own childhood hometown. Um, yes. So can you talk about how you dug into that and sort of what parts, you know, you, you exposed or brought to the book? 
Yeah. Um, so Hammond, the town of my novel, it's a 5,000 person town and it in, in New Jersey. And it is um, a fictionalized version and anagram of my hometown. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and um, so essentially, um, I, so B's a couple years older than I am, but essentially I, I, I put a fictional story in my childhood setting. Um, so I really like drew on um, the idea of like a small town in the 80s, very similar to mine. Um, you know, I really, um, just those details that I remembered growing up um, in terms of setting the lake where um, Sally Baker goes missing was based on a real lake in my hometown where I used to go swimming. Um, and there was an incident actually where I was swimming at the lake. And I know Rachel, you heard this at my launch event, but um, where I was swimming at the local lake, my mom couldn't find me because I loved to swim underwater for long periods of time. So they emptied the lake and I didn't even hear the whistle blowing because I was underneath the water because uh, I was this little fish and I come out and there's like chaos and then I find the lifeguard and my mom who's just like distraught and then and then I realized that people had emptied I hadn't realized it but they literally emptied the lake looking for me yeah, and it always wow. just seemed like such a great starting point for a story though like what if right. I had gone missing that day or somebody else Right, right. And then the kids are coming out and the lifeguard's going, is this her? Is this her? Yes, right? exactly. Is this her? And you, you're like, what's going on? Right? Yeah. So just, I love that. So um, yes, Margaret says, uh, I've always been scared to try to fix, fictionalize my hometown and dig into <laughs> small town issues. Yes. Do you have people yeah. calling you or writing you to be like, how could you? Or Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, I think a lot of my high schools reading this book right now, probably wondering if they're in it. <laughs> Um, but it's, it really is a fictional story. Um, and I love that people are interested in it and intrigued by the setting and, and finding, um, you know, and a lot of people, whether they grew up in my hometown or not, are finding the, they find like comfort in like that nostalgia of the eighties, that small town atmosphere. They're identifying with that, which is, which is nice to hear. Um, but one of my mom's friends was, um, reading it, I think, and was like, um, that's Edna. And I'm like, who's Edna? <laughs> <laughs> So oh, I think so people funny. will want to see things that they want to see in it. Yeah, I love that. So it looks like Liz is already going to buy it, buy a copy. Yay. All right. Thank, Thank you, Liz. Liz. Yeah, that's very exciting. And, and I will say that once you're done reading my book, um, on my website, there's a book club kit that the publisher and I put together. Um, don't look at it before because there's spoilers there but you will see i actually have photos of my hometown and show how i base some of this thing the uh, lake and other places on specific things in my hometown that's awesome so and also we it seems like you have fans saying they love the 80s they're yeah, in right 80s. Stop yeah. there. um yes and you probably think this song is about <laughs> you <laughs> I'm going to start seeing Exactly. That. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just want to um, also ask you, like, you know, what was the hardest part about writing this book and this story, right? It's your hometown in a sense, yeah. very emotional. It's children going missing. Like there's a lot of hard stuff. <laughs> like what tripped you up? Um, so I think the two things that I found the most difficult were, so it's, um, it's 30 years after the fact that B is actually telling this story and just finding that like ability to kind of the older narrator, retrospective narrator, looking back in time, telling the story and being able to um, kind of keep that distance um, and, and do it, do it in a compelling manner. Um, so I think that was difficult. 
Um, and then the other thing that was difficult was, was writing about, um, was the aftermath, I should say, of the sister's death um, in terms of the processing it. Um, and then also like the pace in which at that point, like I moved through that grief and then onward and, you know, cause it's obviously a huge thing and, and, and dealing with it. And then even like in terms of the spaces, the pages, number of pages and like paying it enough importance and then also like um, moving forward. And then emotionally too, as a writer um, dealing with that. Cause you know, yeah. I, I like I did, I, I weren't, I was invested in these characters. For sure. I mean, that is clear, right? They are real yeah. people to you and right. These are real, real things that are happening. So, yeah. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, um, when I met you, you were going through, I guess, one of the final editing processes and yeah. you, I was so impressed because you were like, well, I have this, you know, very clear plan where I'm doing so many pages a day. Right. And I'm reading them very carefully. And like this, this plan was just so well thought out. And I was like, in my own head, like, oh my God, I'm never that well planned. <laughs> so I want to know, how did you come up with your plan? And did you stick to it for that final? Editing? I actually don't even remember saying that. <laughs> Ah, that's so funny. Um, but thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, well, with the revision process, yes. I mean, I would say with the writing process, it was much more, I wasn't as disciplined because it also wasn't the only thing I was doing, right? Like I've had this whole entire other career as a nurse, a nurse practitioner, um, and I'm a mom to two kids. So, you know, it's always a balancing act, but. Um, yes, always it, a balancing act. Always. Um, but in the revision process, um uh, and I love revising, by the way. Like, I love revising. It's, like, fun for me. Because um, I just love, like, the craft of writing. And I love, like, making things better. So I, I did take a chunk of pages a day to really, like, be thorough. And because and, I also, like, as the clock is ticking and I know there's only so many more times I can touch this manuscript, I was, like, a little anxious. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So Anna says uh, she loves that you wrote about your town. That's awesome. Thank you. A lot of people saying things like that. Hopefully so that's people in my hometown agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is you have some amazing blurbs on here. So yeah. this is, you know, um, on the back of the book, you'll see that there are a bunch of very, very famous authors who have basically yeah. said, Karen's brilliant. I love this book. Go and buy it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you to please tell us and a, a lot of aspiring writers listen yeah. to this podcast or are watching now, like, how did you get people like this, you know, um, to blurb for you? How'd you I do mean, that? It's incredible. Like I, it, it still blows my mind. I mean, I, I apply to one back in, you know, mid, I don't know, 2006. So you're like know. writing to the authors yourself? You're no, 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 no. I only oh. applied to an, a one low residency MFA program because they didn't ask for personal recommendations <laughs> ah. because I like, I'm just, I've come a long way, <laughs> I guess is my point. So it, it was very, yeah. So when I, I, um, I, um, I chose my, I only applied to the one program because of that. So it's, it's like, it still blows my mind that I have all these authors that have blurred me. So, you know, it was a combined effort between my editor agent and I, like, who do you know? And um, who do we know? And, I just Ellen Hildebrand on the front. Yeah, that's pretty darn awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I met Ellen through my next door neighbor, actually, who knows her. Um, and Ellen is just like the most incredible human being. And um, she told me to send her my book. So I did. And uh, she blurred me, which was awesome. 
Wow. And so yeah. it was just sort of a scramble of that kind of like, who do you, how can you find, like, how do uh, people listening now yeah. go about getting blurbs like you have? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, it was literally like, you know, agent editor and I like put our heads together. Right. And, and then um, you send out emails to them, to these people. Yes. And, or they do for their contacts. Right. And they're like, okay, who do you know? Or who you might, you know, and then my agent might ask somebody that, um, you know, um, so for instance, Sally Hepworth, I think that that was through my editor. Um, I'm not even entirely sure, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, a, a combined effort, but I, you know, I, like Rachel and I met, um, a couple of years ago and, and we, you know, you, you just, at the writing community, you start somewhere, you just make connections and, um, you're a good literary and a citizen and just be nice and, and hopefully it'll pay off. And I'm, I, I'm, I've already asked, been asked to blurb my first book, which I did. And I was so excited. Um, Rita Cameron, Yay. the house party that's coming out either July or August, excellent book. So yes, yeah. pay it forward. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I love how happy you are about it too. Cause you know, it's such a, I think it's such an exciting and fun part of being a writer, right? Yes. You get to meet other people coming up. Yeah. Um, so what has been the hardest part then about publishing now? Like we're just coming out of COVID, right? You're yeah. like, you we're saying you haven't known that many authors, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. the book tour is not the traditional big blowout it used to be. So how's it going and what's been hard and what's been fun? Um, so honestly, I'm just having so much fun. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I feel like I'm living my dream. Like I've always wanted to publish a book and it's it's so fun to, to you know, to be on with you and, and to talk to people about my book. Um, it's, it's just been great. I've just been kind of along for the ride, quite honestly. I'll, I'll yeah. look forward to getting back to writing um, soon um, and like that, you know, kind of switching parts of my brain and, and, and going back to that. But for right now, it's just, it's just been really fun. Yeah. The so, most fun part is hearing from readers that are, that connect with it. Yeah. That's amazing. So what kind of yeah. things are you hearing? What we hear already, people are loving the eighties, right? They're really connecting to what is resonating with you as something that you've done really well in this book. Um, so one thing that I love that people are saying is the, um, is the, like, I, 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 there's, I cover a lot of ground in this book, let's just say. So, and I think it's, it's nice to hear that people think that I've, I've have a lot of complexity with the different characters and topics and that I, um, I, I cover, I cover a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, Margaret is saying, here we go. Uh, I'd love to hear debut authors, most creative book launch ideas to deal with COVID criteria. So not that we need the list from you, yeah. but do you have creative ideas on how are you dealing with, you know, you still have, you could only have so many people, right. Even at your launch, right. the numbers. Yeah. yeah. So how are you dealing with it? Um, I mean, I don't know differently. <laughs> so it's ah, kind of well own. said. Um, but, you know, I think um, obviously um, making use of online forums and um, being on podcasts and, um, and some of these events that are even in person have been hybrid um, so people can tune in from wherever they are. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just kind of going with it. Yeah. I love that you don't know better, right? As opposed to the right. authors who are used to being sent out and on tours. I actually feel a lot luckier than a lot of other debut writers in the last two years because 
you know, even a few months ago at the height of Omicron, I'm sure things were getting canceled. Like I, I was lucky enough. I've been lucky enough to be able to do some in-person events, which I'm so appreciative about. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. There's nothing like actually being there in the room, right. To see people yeah. react when you read, it's like an amazing feeling. So what kind of advice do you have for people who are just writing or they're just looking for agents? I have a lot of new writers, right. Who are listening to this. What advice do you have for them? Um, I would say persevere, you know, I mean, I, this book took me a long time to write. Um, just, How long? I mean, years. I don't even know. I don't even know. Years, right? Yeah. Um, I, I probably got more serious about it in maybe 2016, um, um, which was when I was like, okay, I set a personal goal to like finish a good first draft. But, you know, I've been kicking around the idea for a long time. So just, just persevere um, and believe in it and, and enjoy it. I, I give yeah. all the credit to debut writers and or not even debut writers, well, debut writers, but like writers in general that have not seen like any sort of like they're not getting the agent yet because you're writing because you love to write, right? You write, you don't know what's going to happen to any of this. And it's, um, it's a really scary thing. And it's also kind of exhilarating. So persevere and embrace it. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So very last question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it in 60 seconds or less. Okay. What are you working on next or how many, you know, what's coming yeah. up next? Okay. So I'm working on another book that uh, readers of our little world will hopefully also enjoy because it's similar. So similar to that book, it's, um, it's going to deal with a tragedy that sets everything in motion and secrets that unravel. But this book is going to take place in present day Boston and be about a group of women friends. I love it. You have me on group of women friends. <laughs> Karen, congratulations. Our Thank little world was so, so, so good. May you sell many, many copies. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for joining today.